I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. And you know, one of the things that I love, and we get so many of these on this program, I love the stories of redemption, of God taking bad things, bad circumstances, a bad past, healing someone, and then turning that into something good. And I think this is, you're going to see something today in, in, in my guest's story that I, I think is really important, and that is what do we do when God does that wonderful work of redemption in our lives? And if we stop there, it's it's a beautiful story, but I really don't think it's the end game. I think it's the beginning. I think it's the beginning of doing something with, uh, you know, sort of in, in the name of Jesus, I think is the, the best way to put it, to help other people. Because it should be the start of a mission, not just the completion of redemption. Uh, and, and that, I think, is the full picture. So I'm going to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Tori Hope Peterson. And she has a book that tells her story. I like to reference that for those of you who want to go deeper. It's called Fostered. It's not out yet. It comes out uh, later this month on a very, very important date. Not just because it's the book release date, but it's on August 30th. That's my birthday. So just saying, you can send gifts. I like dark chocolate. So, uh, Tori, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you, Randy. I'm so happy to be here with you. So I want to just turn it over to you quickly because I want people to hear your story because I love it. I love it on, on so many levels. Uh, obviously not the, the difficulties, the pain that you went through, but the what God's done with it. So you mm-hmm. pick it up where you want to start, and and we'll just listen for a bit. Sure. I feel like my story starts when I was three. I first, my very first memory was going into the foster care system due to a drug bust. Uniformed men came into our house, took drugs down from the cabinets and the wardrobes. And then I was taken into my first foster home. And I I didn't want to go into foster care. I wanted to be with my mom. And so I was really happy to be reunified with my mom just months later. But after I was reunified with my mom, I... I started to realize as I got older that she had mental illness. And as she got older, that mental illness got worse and worse. And the abuse and neglect in our home started to increase in a way that put my sister and I in a lot of danger. And so that led me and my sister, she's 10 years younger than I am, to go back into the foster care system again when I was an adolescent. And that time I really did want to go into the foster care system. I found it to be very hopeful. I was like, me and my sister, we're going to have an opportunity at a family Mm. and we're not going to be abused anymore. Mm. But within weeks of that first foster home, my sister and I were separated and I went to a residential treatment facility. And I, I remember when I went there, I was like, oh, I do not belong here. Like this, I shouldn't be here. But that's really when God started to work in my life um, through therapy, counseling, the mandatory services that were required while I was there. And I started, I I left there and I still want to go move throughout 10 different homes. And that was very hard. I felt disposable. I felt like no one wanted me and really no one did want me. Um, But then I had a track coach 
who he started to pour into me and mentor me. He was like a father figure in my life. And I always had this question like, God, why didn't you give me a father? And through that time, he gave me my track coach. My track coach told me, Tori, I think you can go on and succeed. Like, I don't think you have to fall into the statistics of foster care, which is, you know, 65 to 80% of human trafficking victims are involved in foster care. Only 3% go on to get a bachelor's degree or higher. Only 50% graduate high school. So the statistics are really saddening. And he told me, you don't have to be a statistic. I think you can go on and win the state track meet and get a scholarship to college. And he, we were just together for a whole year. He was pouring into me. And that year I went on to be a four-time state champion in track and field. Um, I was the 50th girl in all of Ohio to win four, four titles and one meet. And that allowed me to get a full-ride scholarship to graduate college, to become a part of that 3%. And really, that's what's led to all the advocacy that I do now. I want to ask you about um, your conception because you openly talk about that. And, and I think it's a powerful message, especially, you know, post Roe v. Wade uh, and, and all the discussions mm. that are going on. And, and, you know, frankly, one of the arguments for abortion is that, you know, there's the someone may be like you born into a situation where the parents mm. are not capable uh, or, or willing maybe sometimes to to raise their children in a healthy way um, you you were you, you, you in a lot of ways you, you you shouldn't be here in a sense you know mm-hmm. um, yeah Randy I thank you for bringing that up because I do feel like you know that was the first miracle of my life mm-hmm. it was my mom um, she was in a very difficult situation both of her parents had, past. Um, She was living in a city that she did not grow up in. She really didn't have a community. And I was conceived out of abuse. And um, she chose to give me life. She gave me life. And I'm so thankful, despite all the hardship I've been through, you know, and people do, they come at me and they say, well, what about the kids in foster care? And I'm like, I was that kid in foster care. (laughs) But nonetheless, I'm so thankful. to to have the life that I have. And there was someone who spoke, um, they actually sent my mom a card and it had the scripture Jeremiah 29 11 on it. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. And that's what, where my middle name comes from. Um, and that's why I love to say my my full name um, because my mom gave me that middle name of hope. And she said that she prayed, she said, God, if you don't have a victory and a hope for me, I pray that you do for this baby. And I feel like my mom praying that over me from when I was in her womb, seeing that my life had inherent value, no matter what, from the very beginning is what has set me to be where I am now. Even though my mom, there, there was adversity, she was not perfect. She saw the potential that I had before she could even see me face to face. I love that. What, what happened to her? So my biological mom, I still have a relationship with her. I love her deeply. Um, she just struggles with severe mental illness. She is diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia. And so it, it's just a relationship that you have to tread lightly yeah. and and forgive often. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I have someone close to me who's in the same boat, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where was God during this? Where, where, it, was there a foster family that was a Christian family or where, how, how did, how did you come to Christ? Yeah. yeah. So 
I'll tell you where it started because I think it's kind of funny. Um, I went to this, it was called the Skylark and it was like a dance club for kids. I have no idea why anyone would let their kid go there. I would never let my children go there, but nonetheless, I went there and this is where the whole God thing started. I wanted to date a boy there and his mom said, you can't date him unless I pick you up on Wednesdays and take you to church. (laughs) So she started picking me up from my trailer park that like no one went to church who lived in this trailer park, (laughs) started picking me up, taking me to church on Wednesday. Through that, I met a woman named Tanya. And then she started picking me up and taking me to church on Wednesdays and just ministering to me, taking me to her house. She would come and pick me up when things were, me and my sister, she would come pick me and my sister up when things would get unsafe at our house. Um, And she would just check in on us. Um, And there was one time, in particular, where she actually came, Tanya came, and my mom was hitting me. And Tanya got on her knees and she just started praying. Mm. And my mom like fell to the ground and started crying. And I never experienced anything like that, like Mm. the power of prayer. But that was, again, like a moment where God was just working. I was like, okay, like maybe there is a God. Like maybe he does care about me. And I would say God really came into my life though, when I was like 17, that's when I was saved. That's when I came to understand who Jesus was. And I just wanted to give my life to him. And that happened, you know, I kept asking that question, God, if you love me so much, then why didn't you give me a father? Like everybody else, that was my big question. Cause I felt like that would have solved a lot of my problems. Like I wouldn't have went to the foster care. I wouldn't have had these quote unquote daddy issues. And I was singing the song, good, good father. And the lyrics are, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. And it just kind of sunk in. Like I could see how God had prepared me for the next foster home and how he had been preparing me to go out of foster care and how he had just protected me in a lot of ways. And I was like, okay, God, you're my father. Like you're the father I've always been searching for. You have filled every gap that no earthly father ever could have. And you have loved me immensely in no way that an earthly father could have. And that's when I was like, okay, Jesus, okay, God, like this life is yours. Do what you want with it. I'm your daughter. God, what? That's, I mean, that's just, Move you to tears, beautiful. I, I, I just, I, I love that. Uh, I, I do have this theory that there are two kinds of crazy Christians in the world. There are the ones that don't act or say things that, that are biblical, and you're like, just those people are crazy. I wish the media would stop spotlighting them. And then you have the ones that go pick up girls in trailer parks and say, you can't date my son unless you go to church, <laughs> right? And, and they they do, and, they, and, and when... They, they pray at odd times, and I think the world needs more of those crazy Christians because that is actually just a boldness that seems crazy and counterintuitive to the world, but is exactly what Jesus taught us to do, and I, I love that. So <laughs> that's my two cents on this interview. Um, here, so, no, actually, I love that because I feel like I'm, I'm one of those crazy Christians now, and it's because like I was brought up by crazy Christians. <laughs> right. and that's, uh, I mean, uh, maybe there's a book there. We're called to be crazy <laughs> Christians, right? Uh, so uh, look, uh, seriously, though, given what you went through, the, the lack of parenting, the bad parenting at times, the confusion, 
the bouncing around the foster, never, never really landing with a family, you know, um, I, I, I would be totally, uh, I would totally understand if like you had to go through years and years of therapy, you were still struggling with certain issues. Um, I know people that are healed instantly, whether it's physically or emotionally, but it, it seems a, most people, it, it's a process. It's like a physical rehab process. It's a spiritual and emotional rehab process. H- have you have you had to do any kind of, is it a daily struggle still? Or, or, or did you just have one of those, like everything just changed? Yeah. So when I went into my residential treatment center, when I was like 12 or 13, I say that that was like one of the most providential things. Like I needed that because I think that there are a lot of people who have went through what I've went through. They're my age and they they're stuck. Like they're hurting. They're, they're not healed because they didn't start young. I feel so blessed. Like I really felt like I did not belong there and on paper, I actually didn't like I didn't meet the requirements to be there. But when I see what God did through my time there of having to go to therapy, he taught me, you know, God taught me and the therapy taught me how to process my emotions at a very young age in a healthy way. I learned healthy outlets while a lot of my peers who have been through very similar things, they can go to drugs or alcohol or other addictions, gambling. I like I learned how to write, which is again, like so providential because now I'm a writer. Like I learned how to write in journal and I got into sports, like all of these very healthy ways, um, I guess to kind of express um, and to understand what I was going through, the really hard parts. And I was in the church and I really feel like I cannot, like even though I was not saved at that time, I don't feel like I can uh, dwindle down or minimize the messages that I was hearing every week of forgiveness, of being made new, of having hope, of having a future, a plan and a purpose for my life. Like all of those things, even though I didn't fully understand what they meant, I think I, I actually go back and look at my journals sometimes and I'm like, whoa, like those messages of going to church every Wednesday and Sunday like they had an influence on oh, yeah. me. Yeah, uh, you know, the, God's principles work whether we realize it or not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the yes. way that the universe is set up. All right, on show people your book again. This is fostered by Tori Hope Peterson. Uh, you can also check her out online at toryhopepeterson.com. And uh, I, I wanna kind of jump forward to today because out of those experiences, uh, you know, God lit a fire under you, not to just go, okay, I'm, you know, healed from my past. I've forgiven people. I've got a purpose in life, but you're, you're like, you've got a mission in life. Tell us what you're doing. Well, we got to go back to the crazy Christians, Randy. That's really where it started. Um, (laughs) I had all, and when I tell my story, I'm like, So little of it has to do with me. So much of it has to do with all of these people that God placed in my life at the perfect timing and who loved me like endlessly, unconditionally. And that's what really like, that was a huge thing that brought me to the heart of God and who brought that brought me into the church because I was, I was kind of a bully in high school, kind of mean. 
And I was like, because hurt people hurt people, right? But I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be a healed person who helped heal people. I wanted to be a loved person who helped love people, but I didn't know how to do that. And so I was looking at all these people who were loving me and I was like, what have they got? Like, how are they doing this? And at the end of the day, they all had Jesus. <laughs> and so my, my favorite scripture is John 13, 34 through 35. And it says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. He says it three times by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm. And so that's my mission. My mission mission is to be a professional lover of people, to love like Jesus. And that's why I do what I do. I do foster care advocacy. My husband and I have been foster parents. We're adoptive parents. Um, and, and that's really the motivation because I really believe people have to look at us as disciples, as Christians, and they're gonna say, why do you love like that? Like, why are you so radical? Why are you so crazy? And the only, if the only answer is Jesus, they're gonna say, I want some of that. <laughs> and that's all that matters is that people know him. That it, I, and, and you know, I just think that's the right approach. I mean, it's scriptural, but it's also, it's appealing, you know? Uh, okay, so you've been married about four years now. You got a dish on that. How'd you meet your husband? So I met him at Hillsdale College. I graduated from there in 2018 and we met our senior year. It sounds really romantic because we were sitting across this like fireplace. We met eyes and we were just like, that person is very good looking. Like, I think we just had the same thoughts. Um, and then I actually slid into his Instagram DMs and um, the rest is history. <laughs> Do you, now, do you have, you know, you foster, but do you have children of your own yet? Not of your yeah, own. That so sounds we bad. Have, do you have children no, no. between the two of you? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. Uh -huh. Yes, we have two biological children. Um, we have fostered and we just moved back to my hometown. So we're in the process of being recertified foster parents. And we do have an adoptive son. We adopted him when he was 17. And um, people look at us like we're crazy because we're only 26. But <laughs> He asked us, he was like, will you guys adopt me? And I, I was, my first thought was like, what is everybody going to think of me? Like people aren't going to think I'm like a real adoptive parent. But then I just went back to what my track coach has done for me. What I didn't mention is that my track coach ended up taking me in and becoming my dad. Um, oh, wow. And he, he's the man who walked me down the aisle oh, and wow. spent every Christmas with him. He's who my kids call grandpa. Um, and so I just went back to what he did for me. And so we said, yes, we'll adopt you. You know, I, a lot of people, especially with dysfunctional families, look, my, my dad struggled with this. His, his dad was an alcoholic. His mother was conceived through a forced relationship, or his mother conceived him through a forced relationship. He, he had to find out what family meant from God because he did not get it from his mm. earthly situation. He was in foster care for a while, too, you know. Um, what, what have you discovered about family in, in a way that is stronger than DNA. Oh, that's so good. My husband and I talked about this a lot. Mm. We feel like we are in our family redefining what family means. Um, for him, he grew up in a traditional family, um, you know, homeschooled all throughout. Family very much meant nuclear. To me, I grew up and didn't have family, but then as I did grow up, everyone was my family. Like I made family everywhere I went. And <laughs> I, I love that. Um, and we bring people in and we want people to feel like they belong because that's healing and it gives us hope. And so 
I think as I've learned, you know, tried to define what I want family to be there. There's a quote by Mother Teresa. She says, the problem with our society is that we write the circle of our family too small. Mm. And uh, me and my husband, we just hold on to that because we really want people to come in. We want to be hospitable and we want people to feel like they belong, not in our home, but really in the kingdom of heaven. We want our home and our family to be a reflection of the kingdom. Just Gosh, God has just like, I think he's just shown you so many things that are of him and, and you're just living it. It's, it's beautiful. Educate us, those average people who are not associated with the foster care system in, in America right now. Uh, what, what's it like out there? Give us a, a bit of the landscape. Mm, yeah, the, the caseworkers are overworked. Uh, caseworkers have a really hard job, which leaves a lot of foster youth, foster families, and biological parents um, kind of waiting. And not, I, I mean waiting, like W-A-D-I-N-G, like waiting in these waters of trying to trying to figure out the system, how to navigate it. Um, and then there are, I see, the, the heart of the foster care system that kind of goes unseen, that doesn't, go that doesn't get talked about, is nonprofits in the church. Um, these are the systems that tend to have the time and resources to serve youth and families at a greater capacity, um, whether that's getting kids backpacks to go to school, um, whether that's being a listening ear, creating um, support groups for foster youth and foster families or biological parents. Um, but really, I would say the system itself it's a, it's a challenging system to be in. Um, and that's because the people who are really required to do the work are overworked. Um, yeah, it's a hard job. How, how's, how's the church doing in general, in your experience and helping? in that? Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I always feel a need to call the church to more. Um, I do think that we kind of belittle or minimize the call to care for the orphan and the widow, um, especially the widow part, the single mom. We, we do want to help children more, but those biological parents who are on drugs, they're dangerous. We want to stay away from them. Um, so I do like to say, like, we have to take this call seriously. Um, we have the Holy Spirit who literally dwells within our very being, which means we have the power to step into things that are broken mm. and bring healing to them and make them whole. I, 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 I don't think the average Christian realizes that, to be honest mm. with you. Uh, I, I, and it takes a little bit of crazy to step out. And you know what? That's the thing is when you, when you step out in places where you are totally insufficient and you don't know what you're doing, that's that's when God shows up and 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 our weakness, you know, He becomes yes, strong. Yes. That's ah mm -hmm. uh, uh, man. So how do how do if someone's watching and they're like, I, I'd love to do something, I don't know what to do. Where do they go? So Google's your best friend. This is what <laughs> okay. we tell everybody. Um, you know, it's really different. One of 
I hate that I have to say this, but it really is different county to county Hmm. um, because foster care does not work at a federal level. It doesn't even work at a state level. It works at a county level. Um, And so, yeah, it is. It's really interesting. And so what you do is you go to Google and you Google your county and then you can Google foster care agency. If you want to become a foster parent or a respite care provider, that's someone who just offers uh, temporary care. So it can be like a day to a weekend to a week for youth in foster care to give the foster parents some relief. Um, or while the child is transitioning, that's called a respite care provider. And you have kind of the same certification as a foster parent, but you, you don't take children long-term. So you just look up again in your County foster care agency. Another awesome thing is CASA. Um, That stands for court appointed special advocate, and they advocate for kids in court. It's a volunteer position. I think in some counties you do like five hours of training and some hours in some counties you do 30. Um, but you can get certified to do that. And that job is so important because they advocate for what is in the best interest of the child. They're the only person that doesn't have a conflict of interest. And another way you can um, help is looking up again, your county or your city and foster care nonprofits. These are places where you can donate luggage to because some foster youth, they go home to home and they carry a trash bag. You can donate finances to, or just volunteer at. Uh, You know, that is the best practical information I've ever heard. (laughs) <laughs> on on getting it seriously and that's something we could do Here, here's another big question for you when you get uh that foster child whether it's in your home or just you know through your interactions with people what what's your message to that child hmm. oh that's such a good question i think it just goes back to I want them to know that they're deeply loved, no matter what's happened to them, no matter what's been done to them, and no matter what they've done. Every child comes into foster care with a case file, and that case file talks about the worst things they've ever done, Mm. the worst things that have ever been done to them, and it never goes away. And the only only, uh, other thing that you can compare to that is crimes. So from, from a very young age, children feel like they have this like criminal file following them around. And so I want to speak over their identity, that they're loved, that there's a purpose and a plan for them, that that file is not what defines them. It's the fact that they're a child of God that defines them. Jeez. I, I just, I love it. I, I just, I, this is how we change the world one life at a time. Uh, and, and it's beautiful. I'm going to give you the last word here in a second, Tori, but I want to, show people your book here again it's called fostered uh, and it's it's tori's story as well as her what she's doing you know with the foster care system and if you want to follow up and, and get involved i mean yeah google your county but you might get some great you know, guarantee you get some great information insight in this book but i also want to show you her website this is toryhopepeterson.com toryhopepeterson.com uh, and there's more about her. There's also some uh, podcasts uh, where she talks about some different things. And so if you want to hear more from her, that's a quick place you can go to do that. But Tori, I want to I want to come back to you and, and let you, I don't know, just leave us with whatever God's put on your heart that you think the average person needs to hear. Mm. You know, I think I'm going to go back to that scripture, um, John 13, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another um that's what we're called to and so just do the next thing in love whatever that is Uh, yeah you just can't do better than that thank you so much i just i I love your countenance 
I love what you're doing, and I love what God's done in your life. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate you guys out there. If you haven't followed, subscribed, uh, liked, do that, and hit share. People need to hear this great story and get a little kick in the backside to get out and change the world for good. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our sins, in spite of our failures, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you.